What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another live episode of Infinity Sports. This is episode number two of our live show. I am Wayne G. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jesse and Sully. What's going on, guys? What's good? What's good? Cool, cool. Hey, so uh, just going over some quick things here. Obviously, if you're watching us, we are live right now on our Facebook page, the Infinity Sports page, and RTF page. So we are going live every Monday and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. like we are right now. This show will be rebroadcast in audio format Tuesdays and Thursdays on the RTF Sports Network. That's rtfsportsnetwork.com. We are followed today, actually, by the great debate. So if you can't get enough of me after an hour, I will be on for another hour afterwards. So definitely feel free to tune in and get as much of your fill of Wayne Gregoire as you possibly can. Yuck. Good luck, guys. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure, about 20 minutes. <laughs> so as I mentioned, like I said, we are on the RTF Sports Network. It will play on the streaming website, uh, you know, one o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But if you miss any part of the show or you want to listen to the show again, I'm sure you do, then you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. So basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts, I think those are the three biggest. And I think we're also on like Google Podcasts and stuff because it like tunes into those three, you know, whatever podcast places. Um, you can reach out to us. We're a very interactive show, so feel free to reach out to us on social media. We are on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast, and we have an Infinity Sports uh, group. You can join. You can debate with us and stuff like that. Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast. We put up some great Instagram content, and Jesse runs our Twitter page, as you can see, at Sports Infinity 5. We're getting a lot of traffic on uh, Twitter, Jesse. Uh, we're getting more and more traffic. Uh, we've gotten some uh followers and some likes on there i know all three of us are liking sharing and commenting on as much as we can so that's one of the platforms you can certainly find us and join the fun well, yeah, we most do, definitely. yeah we do interact so shoot us a question you know tell us we suck whatever we don't care we like seeing people just comment on the stuff and like i said particularly the sports group if you join the sports group feel free to comment on stuff you know i mean nobody comments on anything anymore so we're going to try to be a little bit more interactive. Speaking of comments, last episode, I actually discovered the comment button about two-thirds of the way through the episode. So I didn't realize <laughs> how to use it. But it is, uh, I'm actually going to be more cognizant of it today. I can see uh, Dylan's joined the show. He says, the boys. So thank you, Dylan, for giving us a watch. Thank you, D. And uh, again, good show. We always have a good show today. Uh, we're going to do basically break down the top 100 NFL.com NFL network top 100 and all the crappy picks that they had there. We're definitely going to break down all of those, but first actually let me time this right. I time it wrong every single week. So I'm gonna put the little thing up or little thing thinger. The, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put the banner up. You're so and, old. I know. Geez, <laughs> let me just touch the doohickey. And put on the, the the, what's it the news button here? The news. <laughs> All right, I think I did that okay this time. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. I got the news background up this time. I didn't have to <laughs> have to wait on that one. So like we always do with the news, we try to do this day in history, which is you know something that happened in this week or this day in history. And I try to pick some that I think are pretty interesting. And starting with August first, two thousand two, Ray Lewis gets the biggest signing bonus in the history of the NFL, nineteen million dollars. 
Absolute legend. Uh, one of the better defensive players of all time. I know he was a superstar uh, collegiately closer to home where Sully is and then took his talents to Baltimore and just became one of the better Hall of Fame linebackers we've ever seen. I mean, I think he's the best linebacker of all time. Uh, I, I mean, I guess depending on how you list Lawrence Taylor. I mean, I guess if you list him as an outside linebacker and you're going to be strict to that, you know, I, I, I separate those edge rushers and off ball linebackers. I separate as two different positions, but I, I mean, he's just so dominant. And to think that now we got hundred million dollar signing bonuses and 19 was the record back then. is just insane. Yeah. It's not that long ago. It's only 18 years ago. So. It's a, it's, it's not even two decades and we're already a hundred times more than what they are. It's like, fuck. It's like technology with the iPhones. Like every year seems to be almost five years, like that mm-hmm. type of jump with financials and the sports growth. It's insane. It's aliens, also- man. <laughs> the aliens are. <laughs> <laughs> um, August 1st, 1996. We talked about this last episode. It is the Atlanta Olympics. Michael Johnson runs the 219.32 seconds. That is the world record for a little while. And then Usain Bolt runs it in 1919, which is both of those are incredibly fast, obviously. Give me that Usain Bolt 30 for 30. Yeah, for sure. That needs to happen. Usain Bolt's a legend. This one's actually for Dan. August 1st, 1978. Pete Rose, his hit streak ends at 44 games. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, my dad tells me about the hit streak, and he thought he was going to break it. Um, obviously, I've I've get the Pete Rose love from my father, but he thought he was going to break it. And when he, I remember, he says when he when he lost it, that was pretty heartbreaking. I mean, you think about it, one one hit, you know, what just one going zero for five, one game, and I, I wonder what point, how many hit streaks or how many games in the hit streak before you start really pressing, like maybe twenty, twenty five. I mean, the the number's so high at 56 that, like, do you really even care until you get to 30, I guess? I don't know. But, I, I mean, personally, I'd start pressing once I probably got to, like, 20. Uh, at that point, it's just, I mean, that's just so incredibly hard to do. Like, Yeah, from my experience as a fan, you know, I think it's right around, like, the mid-20s is where, you know, the media starts to really start to follow these players and add that pressure to them. Like, I, I remember recently Jackie Bradley Jr. had, I think it was, like, 26 or 27 games. And by the time I was getting excited to watch it, it ended. So, yeah. well, I mean, if Jackie Bradley Jr. wasn't going to be the guy to break it. <laughs> yeah, if Jackie Bradley Jr. breaks that fucking record, I swear. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what made it that much more interesting is the guy only known for his glove. And he was hitting maybe .050, you know, could for his career, could have potentially ended up breaking that streak. So it was fun to think about for a couple minutes. Now, I know now, Jackie Bradley's skinny. Does he even Is he even hitting his body weight career average? No, Ooh, probably not. <laughs> but, but his glove is second to none. Oh, it's insane. It's it's really good. I mean, it's not Kevin Kiermaier, but it's really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. August second, nineteen seventy nine. We're talking about you know unbelievable jumps in money in nineteen seventy nine. A Washington D.C. attorney named Edward Bennett bought the Orioles for twelve million dollars. That's probably worth what, like one point five billion now. God, yeah, I mean, it's the, the Orioles team yeah. in, in the entire league right now. It's still going to get you way more than that. Yeah, Forbes actually just released their uh, uh, biggest sports teams list. Uh, obviously, the top two, uh, I think everybody should know. Do you know who number three was? Uh, well, top two for American sports? Yes, sir. Uh, so top two, I guess, would be the Dallas Cowboys, um, LA Lakers, maybe? No, Yankees. Yankees yes. and Cowboys. And then who's number two? Oh, here's number three. I'll go Lakers. No, it's the fucking Knicks, man. Wow. Well, I would not have guessed that at all. Right? 
The Knicks are ahead of – they're the number one NBA franchise. That's that old money. That's that that MSG money. (laughs) That's crazy to me. Now, any baseball fan knows uh, this one. August 2nd, 1921, a Chicago jury acquits eight Chicago White Sox players, but the following day they are banned for life by Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Among them, Joe Jackson. What a commissioner name right there. Mountain? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's uh, probably baseball's biggest, I don't know, I guess blemish, you know what I mean? Because, I I mean, the the World Series was essentially rigged. Um, But... You know, I mean, those guys, they, they're they going to pay their time forever. And, you know, Joe Jackson's still, you know, known as a legend. So, yeah, we no. talked about it back with our movie draft. And this was Eight Men Out, one of the movies I had drafted. And uh, this does a really nice job of telling the story, I think. Yeah, Eight Men Out's a fantastic movie. And I do love John Cusack as Buck Weaver. And then you've got, obviously, D.B. Sweeney. It plays Joe Jackson, who was illiterate. That was a big thing. So I, I remember seeing something way back when on Pawn Stars or something like that. They had a Joe Jackson autograph. And what it was is it's like you see like three or four of the autographs, and then there's one that's his, which is kind of shaky, because his wife was signing his name so that he would know how to write it so he could sign his own name. It was like a crazy piece of like uh, you know history. Wow. That's insane. Could you imagine Wow, having that? Wow. Uh, 1948. August 3rd, Satchel Page makes his major league debut. Way too old. Satchel Page is maybe one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and he makes his debut for the Indians, goes uh, out, wins the game, seven innings pitched, five to three. But at this point, he's probably 38, 39 years old. Yeah, it's definitely a legend. If he if he's pitches in the MLB the whole time, I, I know we all hate to deal in ifs, but – you know, with his circumstance, it's unfortunate because it was just race related. But if if he plays in the in the league the whole time, he's a lock, a lock top ten pitcher of all time. He's already maybe a top ten pitcher of all time. But if he's in the league the whole time, I think it's a lock. I mean, the big thing with him wasn't that he threw gas. Uh, it was basically that his fingers were so long, he put so much spin and movement on the ball. So every single pitch he threw just moved way more than it should have because of the spin he put on it. Yeah, he was uh, crazy good. <clears throat> August 3rd, 1921. This is a one of my favorites, uh, of course. Jesse Owens wins four gold medals at the Berlin Olympics right in front of Adolf Hitler. Like, what up? <laughs> I'd love to say I was named after Jesse Owens, but unfortunately my mom named me after Rick Springfield's song, Jesse's Girl. But I definitely tell people it's Jesse Owens and that Olympic feat. I mean, that's obviously one of the biggest moments ever. You know, we all know Adolf and, and his actual beliefs are that his race and his you know, what he believed in was just better than everyone else. So for Jesse to go out there and just dominate the way he did uh, was bigger than it, than the moment in itself. In August 3rd, 1852, I thought this one was actually really cool because it happened here in New Hampshire. I didn't know this 1852, the first ever intercollegiate sport, which was actually rowing. It was Harvard versus Yale, but it happened right on Lake Winnipesaukee. Wow. I did not know that. I've, I've been in the Winnie. Yeah. Rowing, huh? <laughs> That's the, the second or third most popular sport. Is it really? No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. I was like, God, I, Jesus. Maybe in the 1800s. That's what <laughs> I mean. Like, well, I didn't know if it was like a huge like college sport. I mean, I know it is like a, a very Ivy League kind of sport, um, but I, I didn't know like if it was big in other places. Like I know lacrosse is just massive in places now. And uh, like, you know, I didn't know if it was something like that. 
Now, well, what I think is funny. So speaking of unpopular sports, before we get into the major sports, quote unquote, is I'd seen on uh, the sports soup. I think we're all part of that group. And Chad Lounder, who's on uh, Triple Shot Sports, actually had a great meme. And I think it was uh, from Jurassic Park, the, the Wayne Knight character. And uh, he's he's looking over his shoulder at that scene in the, in the little outdoor restaurant where he's talking about dinosaurs. He's like, nobody hears us. It doesn't matter. And he says something. He's like, the NHL playoffs started oh, yesterday. Yeah. And then he looks at the guy, and the guy's got like uh, an NHL logo. And he's like, yeah, see, nobody cares. When yeah. uh, he's like, here, it's it's Thompson. It's Thompson. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's senior time. Uh, fuck him, because let's fucking go, baby. Lightning getting the W today in the shutout over the Capitals, man. Let's go. Well, speaking of the major sports, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, it's not too far into it. And we got the playoffs in the NHL, the NBA starting their whole play in to the playoffs. MLB is on again, off again, but you know, we have some sports. I mean, I turn on the TV and I can watch baseball. I can watch basketball. I can watch, you know, not the NFL yet. Hopefully we'll get to see the NFL, but I love watching basketball. And I was kind of upset to miss uh, Zion's debut the other day because Dan Sully Sullivan said Zion's not playing. So I was like, Hey, I can't wait to watch him. And he goes, Oh, he's not playing today. So the guy I won't watch then. <laughs> to hey, to be fair, he wasn't listening until three games or three minutes before the game. They didn't listen as he was playing. So it, the whole thing was he was going to get minute managed, and he did. He played three minutes first. I mean, if you watched the game, you would have been very disappointed. Uh, the team – I mean, you watched the end of the game. The team was up at one point and was 17 minutes left in the game. They didn't even let Zion back in the game, and the team just floundered and lost. And they lost another bad game uh, uh, later on in the week. And honestly, that team doesn't look very good. I'm not going to lie. They, the whole tank and, and get Zion into the playoffs may not be what we thought it was because that team, I don't know if they're going to make it. Well, right now we got the Pelicans actually leading the Grizzlies 24-22 live happening right now. You know, we got Zion versus Ja. Uh, I've got both their jerseys. These guys are the future of the NBA, in my opinion. So two very exciting superstars to watch. But I think you both know that that wasn't the NBA game that we were supposed to be watching. That Lakers-Clippers game was, mwah. oh, man, every second of that game, back and forth, having the – the, the Lakers end up coming back and winning that game. It was it was a bit, an amazing back and forth game between those two. Yeah, well, I watched. I didn't watch the Clippers Lakers. I did watch the end of the Pelicans game, and I did mention to Dan, I was like, "Hey, where, where's uh, you know Zion? He's not playing." And I was like, "Dude, they're gonna Jordan him, like Michael Jordan, pull him out with 43 seconds left in a close game." Um, and they did. And I, I don't understand it. There's only eight games to get into the playoffs. Like, what are you doing? Like, rest him after the playoffs. And, and I, I mean, you can kind of tell that their strategy now is just be within four of the Grizzlies because then they get that little play in game where they just got to beat them twice or whatever. And I think they feel like they can beat the Grizzlies in a three game series. But still, I mean, the, the load management just doesn't make sense on a 21 year old kid to me. I'll never understand that. Work that kid right now till he can't breathe anymore. I mean, like, fuck, he's at his peak. Run him till he dies. Fuck. Yeah, I think you can see the different mindset of some NBA teams as opposed to others. I think, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the the Bucks, they're laser focused right now for that trophy, whereas maybe some other teams aren't as hard pressed. They're not putting their foot all the way down the gas pedal. Um, but I like what you mentioned there, Sully, with the Pelicans just strictly focused on the Grizzlies and keeping that that margin of victory, you know, pretty close. Like you mentioned, four games. Um, that's why this game that's happening right now live is super important. So we'll keep you guys updated towards the end of the podcast. But right now, those Pelicans are still leading the Grizzlies. 
Watching the games, what do you guys think about with no fans? Because I predicted that basketball will be fine without fans, and I love watching it. I don't even notice the whole fan thing. But when I watch baseball, I totally notice there's no fans. It's just so dead. In the NBA, I'm not noticing the lack of fans, but I've got to totally um, – I was super fearful about how crisp the gameplay would be, how well the players would actually play. And, oh, my, we've got T.J. Warren dropping his first 50 bucket. We've got – players all over the league having fantastic games. I mean, Kyle Lowry of all people having almost a near triple double to beat the Lakers. So um, players are a lot more refined and crisp than I thought they would be. Uh, honestly, I haven't watched a baseball game, so I couldn't tell you how it is or isn't with the fans. Um, but the NBA, I actually like the aspect of going out there and seeing former NBA players pop up on the screens like Bosch and Kittles and Pierce. So hopefully that continues, but I just wanted to say how crisp the players are actually playing. Yeah, I think they're playing well too. And I'm a Rays fan, so I don't have fans in, at my games anyway. So I don't, I don't really have any, see any notice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, baseball is just quiet. You know, I don't think they're doing a good of a job. Maybe is pumping in the artificial crowd noise through the through the fake game or something like that. Um, but but um, like with the NBA, I don't really notice it. And again, like I thought, I thought hearing the callouts and things like that would be one of the funner parts of the NBA anyway. And and we are getting that. And to Jesse's point, you know, I, I, I agree. I think the game's playing better than I thought it was going to play, to be honest with you. I thought there'd be a lot more – I don't know. I, I know the turnovers are pretty high, but I thought there'd be more and more sloppy play, to be honest with you. And, and it's it's been really good play. So I'm happy to see that. Now, you again, you're the more the hockey fan than the, than the two of us. So what's hockey like with no fans? Uh, I mean, again, I, I just watched the, the – um, the Jesus, the lightning game today. And I, I really didn't see that much of a change. Now, the only difference between that is like, you know, like fans go bonkers and like we're up on the, the glass and they're very interactive in hockey. So, so that's kind of missing, but you know, the players themselves get zero effect, I think from the fans. Well, not zero, obviously crowd noise and things like that helps, but especially in hockey, it's not really that big of a deal, but I mean, these games are electric and they're so much fun to watch that Blackhawk Oilers series. I mentioned it way back when, when we talked about this, that series is going to be bananas and it started off bananas the six to four with, uh, with Connor McDavid already, getting a multi-point game and shit like that. The Capitals lightning just went to overtime and then a shootout. I mean, NHL hockey is back. NHL playoff hockey. I'm telling you folks, if you haven't watched it, it's, it's the best. It's so intense. Enjoy it. I'm telling you. I think we can all agree that hockey is the most exciting thing you can watch live. If you can be there for that event, it's, it's insanely fun. Um, but in, in my um, thinking that glass and that rink kind of separates the athletes from the fans. Um, so to me, the players don't even think about it. They're they're on the ice. They're ready to just give it their all. So that's probably the sport that has the least effect of, of you know, the fan noise um, just because of how in the zone and in a shell that the hockey players are. But I'm super excited to continue to see some great games on the ice. I do want to bring up uh, some show interaction because – you know, we are out there on Facebook, as I mentioned. We like to do posts. I try to get out three to four posts a day on Instagram and Facebook and try to think of a topic to get people interested in talking about. And what I love seeing today was I love seeing Sully become kind of a Will Chamberlain fan. And really just, <laughs> I, I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> so we got into quite the debate with a, a gentleman. And I'm going to call him out here on the, uh, the, the show, which is uh, Patrick Morris. If you're watching, Patrick, you're wrong, man. You're just dead wrong. You're just wrong. With, 
Yeah, it's Wilt Chamberlain. I don't care if you don't have him number one. Listen, if you want Michael Jordan number one, fine. If you want to put LeBron ahead of him, like there's certain people I can say, all right, you can, I understand the argument, but don't even mention Bill Russell's name with Wilt Chamberlain. They don't belong in the same category. I know they played in the same era, but they're on like four different tiers apart in, in the whole thing. See, I agree. And I, I mean, the big issue I get is is people being unable to separate the the greatness level of a player and like the talent level of a player. Because we're talking about kind of two different things here. And, and I mean, yeah, Bill, Bill Russell was great. I mean, you're not going to take away the 11 championships or 13 championships or whatever it is. I think 11 straight 11, or something like that. 11, 11 nine total. Straight. Nine 11, straight. That's what it is. My yeah. apologies. Uh, and, but at the same time, the guy's 245th in points per game all time. Like he, he just, he wasn't a scorer. He didn't do those type of things. Yeah. He's second in rebounds, but that's the only stat he, he dominates in beyond that. He's not in blocks. He's not in anything like that. And yet he's a defensive guy. And don't get me wrong. I, I think Bill Russell's a great talent. They're just not on the same level. They're not even close. Wilt dominated Bill Russell. You, you make a great, he averaged 35 and 25 against Bill Russell having eight triple doubles against the guy. So it's like, you know, there wasn't even like this, this, level of competition. Now I get, you know, the whole issue is, is homeboy brings up Wilt's team being better and, and Wilt or, or uh, Bill Russell's team being better and Wilt losing these games and having a losing record to Bill Russell. And well, he has a losing record against the Celtics, not fucking Bill Russell. So I, I don't know. That shit bothers me. That was great teams versus great teams back then. Those were the well, two dynasties. Again, you, you had eight hall of famers on the Celtics at one time. Literally, if you go over that roster, there are eight guys on that roster that made the hall of fame. Three guys that came off the bench made the hall of fame and they're playing against Will Chamberlain and like one other hall of famer. And, and that's where it lies, you know? And then, I mean, you obviously brought up the point, which, you know, he, I don't think he does have an answer for, and we never heard from him, but the, the Michael Jordan being, what is it? Oh, and seven against Larry bird. Oh, and six in the playoffs. And six and 17 all, all time. Yeah. I mean, what is Larry bird better than like, you know what I mean? Like if that's going to be your reasoning, then you've got to stick with it the whole time. And, and we can all agree that Larry bird's not better. So, I mean, you got to own your shit here. So that kind of covers the news. We're actually going to jump into, I don't have any fancy music or, or overlays or anything for the next section, but I do have a fancy background. So let me just scroll down here for those of you listening. This is all visual. And uh, there you go, top 100 players. The NFL came out with the top 100 players, NFL.com, NFL Network, whatever it is. Uh, talking to Sully before we started filming, he mentioned something to the fact of like, this is the players voting on certain players. So it's not like they have a panel at, NFL Network just coming up with it, although it seems like it. Um, well, it's, it's honestly, it seems like it's the players picking their favorites. I mean, it really, like, that's that explains a lot of it to me. Yeah, some of it's like stat based, and then others is like just name recognition. And we'll get into the name recognition in a second because there's a guy on here. I don't know where he's on. When we get to JJ Watt, like this is a guy who's played single digit games three of the last four years, and he's in like the top fifty or something. Yeah, so I think we'll, he's at forty five. But yeah, I mean, that one's a joke. So, I mean, we'll, we'll cover that. So I want to start off, we'll go backwards from 100 and just bringing up the 100 through 91. We've got Levante David, Darren Waller, Brandon Brooks, Buda Baker, Chris Carson, Frank Clark, Jason Kelsey, Allen Robinson, Darius Slay, and then Grady Jarrett comes in at 91. So when I looked at – hey, welcome back. When I looked <laughs> – I was just clearing the stone. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, when I looked at this list, I'm kind of going through it, and I'm like, all right, Levante David, 123 tackles, fine. We've got Darren Waller with 90 receptions, but he only had three touchdowns, so I understand why he's so low. 
I think of the first 10 that we had here, I know you mentioned Chris Carson being on the list, but he had 1,230 yards and seven touchdowns. So I didn't really have a huge problem with him being, you know, the bottom 10. I mean, that doesn't bother me that much. I guess Darius Slay with 46 tackles, 13 passes defended, and 12, two interceptions. There are so many better quarter, corners than Darius Slay that were left off this list. Uh, I actually agree with you. I'm not the biggest Darius Slay fan, uh, if we're being fair. Um, you know, I actually think one of the, I mean, one of the bigger snubs here is I think Brandon books being 98. Uh, I mean, I think that's just criminally low for this guy. Uh, he's a perennial all pro guard. Uh, I think he's one of the better guards in the league, both of the better offensive linemen in the league and to be all the way down where he is, I think is just laughable. Um, the Chris Carson thing, it's, it's more about like, we'll talk about guys who aren't on the list and, and Chris Carson being ahead of them, namely Matt Ryan, or Kenny Galladay, a Devontae Parker. You know, like you mentioned, you, I'll, I'll give you the credit for the Devontae Parker one. That guy and those guys being on the list or not being on the list where Chris Carson is, is, is kind of my issue with Chris Carson. Yeah, thinking of players that, you know, we, we saw on that list and then players just outside of there. Uh, I mean, Eric Armstead of the 49ers, a guy that – you know, the 49ers felt super comfortable in moving DeForest Buckner because uh, Armstead was still on the team. He didn't even make the top 100, where some of these guys, like you're saying, Slay made a big deal about getting traded, but doesn't seem to make big deals on the play on the field. Uh, I found like a guy like Armstead could have definitely made his way into the top 100 as opposed to a guy like Slay. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, just looking over to, I mean, you know, Frank Clark's a guy, 37 tackles, uh, 10 tackles for loss, eight sacks. I think Frank Clark could be higher on this list too than 95. I just don't. I, I think, I don't I think know. Maybe, maybe the off field stuff kind of kept him lower on the list that, than uh, he wanted to. I mean, I think he ended up having a better year with the Seahawks um, in years previous than he did with the Chiefs. Um, but as a whole, I think maybe it's his off field shenanigans or uh, rumblings that kept him further down on the list because still a productive young guy. Well, I think the, the toughest thing, we just mentioned it. You, know, you mentioned uh, Brandon Brooks being so low. I think it's so hard to rank offensive linemen with skill position players because we can see tackles for loss. We can see sacks. We can see receptions and touchdowns. And I know offensive linemen, you can have, you know, pancakes or gotten beat and stuff like that. But I just feel like it's so hard for the average person to judge what they do. Yeah, but these aren't the average people. So it's like, so that's where, that's where I have an issue with it. Like these guys play with Brandon Brooks every, every week. They understand how dominant the guy is. Uh, you know, I understand PFF's not the end all be all, but they do a really great job of, of tracking, um, especially offensive lineman metrics. And, and they've got this now it's, it's pretty new, but they've got PFF war and it's, it's an actual war statistic that, that gives you kind of, you know, positional, um, like versatility or not versatility, like positional uh, scarcity and like what positions are more important and what positions are less important and things like that. And they actually rate offensive linemen as one of the most vital positions, uh, like right behind quarterback almost. And so they're the wars for their offensive linemen are very high. Uh, you know, so it, I get it's tough, but these aren't the average fans. I mean, Brandon Brooks dominates week in, week out. I, I, an all pro guy shouldn't be at 98. That's just, I just don't understand it. Meanwhile, Darius Slay was 85th in PFF's corner rankings, by the way. 85th. <laughs> Not in overall players, in just cornerbacks. Well, that's about right. That, again, if you guys have any comments, you want to chime in with some of your takes. I, I do see, like, on my top of my screen, it keeps blinking with, like, Facebook stuff. I know sometimes messages don't always come through. I'm looking over here at comments. Uh, the only comment I still have is from Dylan, so I'm just going to put it up here because, hey, thanks, Dylan, for 
Same <laughs> voice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so definitely feel free to shoot us a comment. Let us know what you think of the, you know, the top 100. We're at, uh, 91 through hundred and I'm actually just going to put up the next banner here. We've got 90 through 81 Kyler Murray at number 90. We love him. So we'll get into that. Cooper cup, Jalen Smith, Josh Allen, Marlon Humphrey, Zach Ertz, Cameron Hayward, Eric Kendricks, Ryan Ramzik, and DK Metcalf. What the fuck with DK Metcalf? Uh, I really his te- or not his teammates. It had to be his teammates because there's so many Seahawks on this fucking list. It's got to be his teammates pumping him up because DK Metcalf should not be as high as he is. Not even close. And I'm a huge DK Metcalf fan, but I mean, again, ahead of guys like Kenny Galladay and Devontae Parker is just laughable to me. I just don't understand it. Um, I, it, it just blows my mind. Uh, I, I mean. We love Kyler Murray. I think 90s a really good spot for him. If I'm being honest with you, uh, Ryan Ramzik at 82, I think may be the whole the biggest snub of the whole thing. He's arguably the best offensive lineman in the NFL right now. Uh, he he grades out as an absolute stud in the last two years. If he has another year where he where he grades in the 90th percentile like he has in the last two years, he'll be the best PFF rated tackle ever in the history of PFF. So, I, I mean, the guy just balls out and for some reason just gets criminally underrated. I guess because he's a right tackle, but, I, I mean, all the guy does is produce. I think something lies in there, like what Wayne mentioned. It's, it's Some of these guys just don't know how to respect or, or evaluate these guys. Um, they, they certainly don't, aren't getting the respect that they should. Um, one of the guys um, I saw on this most recent list that Wayne threw up there was Marlon Humphrey. And I know you guys aren't shocked that I'm going to bring up a former Alabama guy, but um, Logan Ryan is not better than Marlon Humphrey, man. I mean, the, this boy on the Ravens was a fantastic player. You know, he's made he's one of the components of arguably the best secondary in the entire NFL, and he is way better than Logan Ryan. And I'm sure if I continue to scope out, I'll find a few other omissions there that Marlon Humphrey is way better than a few defensive backs that made this list. Yeah, namely Richard fucking Sherman. Yeah. What well, name recognition, up, like Wayne said, <laughs> and I brought up before uh, we even got started. I mentioned to to Sully. I said, "What about Joe Hayden? Joe Hayden had like eighteen passes defended this year, five interceptions. You know, and you're going to put you, you said uh, Logan Ryan on there because because Sully said, well, you know, Hayden gets beat a lot. And I'm like, Logan Ryan gets beat more than anybody. <laughs> he, gives so more, he gives up so many catches. That's why he has 118 tackles because he lets the guys catch it and he tackles them. Yeah, but for me, be, him being 30 spots ahead of Marlon Humphrey is just a crock. I mean, in quarterback-wise, I know we said Kyler Murray, 90 is a good spot for him. How about this? Josh Allen doesn't belong on this list. I love Josh Allen. I mean, we love Josh Allen. He's got a big arm. He completed 58% of his passes last year for 3,000 yards. Kyler Murray completed 64% for 3,700 yards, and they had the same amount of rushing yards. I mean, why are you having Josh Allen ahead of Kyler Murray? Josh Allen should not even be on this list. There's probably two or three or four or five quarterbacks better than Josh Allen. I agree. The issue with this list I have is it's like it, it looks like it's half projection, half right now. Kind of yep. like people can't figure out kind of how they're voting, where they're voting. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, I, I love, love, love Kyler Murray. Right now, he's not better than Matt Ryan. Like, you know, what I mean? like, like, let's be real. Like, you know, Matt Ryan's probably still the better NFL quarterback. Now, he still threw for 4,600 yards and 26 touchdowns last year. You know what I mean? And and so it's just, it's, it's, it's a little tough. You know, you're, you're waging, you know, am I going to keep this old guard that's been on here? That's had a down year. Am I going to pick the new guy that's coming up? You don't want to be late to it too. I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. I can't figure out how these guys are voting. 
Yeah, you you both, I believe, had Kyler Murray as a dark horse MVP candidate, and this guy's ninety one. Which is, I mean, I, I I'm okay with that. I don't think he should be really any higher. I really don't. I mean. Especially if you're not going to base it off projections this year. I mean, this year, does he have the offense where he could find himself in a top 50? Hell yeah. Yeah, so right, he definitely does. But, but what's he's done, what he has done in 2019, is it deserving of the spot he got? Probably not. See, and that's a, if you're voting off just 2019, which it looks like a lot of people did because somebody was number one when he shouldn't have fucking been. And so, and it, and it looked like it went strictly off the 2019, you know, well then Kyler Murray probably shouldn't be on this list. Like, so it's, it's just really tough, but I mean, Hey, I don't think anybody's ever going to sit here and say NFL players are smart people. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I want Marshawn Lynch making all my decisions for me. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'm just here. So I don't get fined. <laughs> DK, just going back to DK Metcalf, I'm looking at 58 receptions last year and, and yeah, 900 yards. And meanwhile, you've got four or 5,000 yard receivers who aren't on this list. Maybe if you're just ranking guys based on their physique. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Then I guess what is James Harrison? He should be like number four. <laughs> again, see, it's, it's, it's like half projection here. It's just so weird. And again, it's like we're, they're their friends. So it's whoever's voting for their buddies. Now we get to the next section. We've got 80 through 71. Miles Garrett comes in at 80, which, again, I understand his stats weren't great, and we'll get into that. Uh, Calais Campbell at 79, Tyron Smith, Keenan Allen at 77, Marshawn Lattimore, Earl Thomas. Again, what the hell is Earl Thomas doing on here? Ronnie Stanley, Fletcher Cox, Josh Jacobs, way too low, I think, if we're going to go running backs. I think he's the oh, he's the second running back. Carson was the first running back. And then Jarrell Casey. So... Uh, again, Miles Garrett at 80. I mean, we talked about how he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and he's at 80. That boy just got paid, too. <laughs> that one is my biggest my biggest snub of, of the entire list by far. By far, by far. I think Miles Garrett's a lock top 10 player, and him at 80 just blows my fucking mind. I can't understand it whatsoever. The guy missed – how many games was it last year? I, I, I can't – I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. Uh, missed at least six or seven games, was still in the top five in pressures. Who are you yeah, taking out of the top ten for him, Sully? Uh, oh, Derrick Henry. Easy. Get the fuck out of my top ten. You're a running back. Well, how about another Seahawk with Bobby Wagner? Why is Bobby Wagner in the top ten? Uh, all right. So I'm never going to – I'm a huge Bobby Wagner fan, so – <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so I'm just going through the list here and just looking at some of these stats here. And Keenan Allen, I know he called himself the best receiver in the AFC West, which I don't know if that's true because I think Tyree Kill's better than he is. But he does catch a lot of balls, 104 catches last year, 1,199 yards. Um, yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs, we didn't too, I know you said, Danny, you don't like running backs particularly, but Josh Jacobs, I mean – is that the right number? Is 72? I think 72 is perfect. I think, I mean, I'm not mad at him at 72. I'm really not. I think um, that's that's kind of probably where, I don't, I think I'd have him a little lower, like, you know, because I'd have Ramsey higher. I'd have Cameron Hayward a lot higher. Um, I actually think I'd have Eric Kendricks higher. I, just a tad bit. I mean, the, the coverage season he had was insane. But this list in general, I got a big issue with the, the 80 through 70. Fletcher Cox has 200 pressures over the last three seasons from the inside. 206, actually, pressures from the interior defensive lineman position, which is just insanely stupid. And is it 73? Like, what? The guy flat out dominates. I mean, just absolutely dominates. And at 73 is just bonkers. Ronnie Stanley put up 
one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a from a tackle. He's in he graded in the top ten in PFF in both pass blocking and run blocking, which is the only tackle to do so this year. And is somehow at seventy four. I, I don't. I just these things like we'll get to the next one. But there's a guy on this list who shouldn't be on this list. And I, I, it's just and Keenan Allen thinking he's ahead of these other boys is wild. I'm glad you brought him up, Solid, because you know I didn't want to be a Raven honk, but Ronnie Stanley definitely deserves to be up higher. For sure. That that whole eighty through seventy, I think, had a, a lot of issues. The rushing offense that that team just put up, I mean, the historic numbers that the Ravens had, and you're going to mm-hmm. take their best lineman and throw him down towards the bottom mm-hmm. quarter of this list? Yeah. That's great. I mean, uh, linemen, are, I can tell, are getting seriously disrespected in this list. So 70 through 61, we've got Fred Warner, Larry Fitzgerald at uh, 69, Ryan Tannehill, Demario Davis, Laramie Tunsil, Tyler Lockett, Harrison Smith, Preston Smith, David Bakhtari, and Jarvis Landry at 61. And Landry was another one who I love Jarvis Landry's talent and what he's capable of, but he hasn't done what I think he's capable of the last couple of years. So I don't understand how he gets put up there. Like you said, with Devontae Adams off the list, looking at, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Larry Fitzgerald shouldn't be on the list. And I love Larry Fitzgerald. He's got great hands, but he should not be on the list. That's, that's what I was talking about. Name, name recognition ones. That's Pudge right there. That's Pudge Rodriguez just continuing to make a list for something he did four or five years ago. And I mean, no, I think we all love Larry. All Everybody of, in this room man. loves Larry Fitzgerald, loves him. But the guy is not the 70th best player in the NFL right now. Let's be <laughs> fucking real, folks. Uh, I mean, again, just a similar theme with me, bro. How is David Bakhtiari the 64th best player in the NFL right now? How is he not higher on this list? He, he he's It just blows – he's never put a grade under – an 88 for the PFF blocking never ever for pass blocking. He owns the number one, number two and number eight best pass blocking grades of all time in the PFF era. And I know I'm going to spit this out a lot, but it's all we have to quantify offensive linemen is, is essentially what PFF is doing with their analytics. So it's really tough to use anything else. Like, like Wayne mentioned, they don't get a lot of, 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 you know, uh, fanfare and i get that but i mean in this day and age we got a lot of ability to grade them and and these guys just need to get more respect well, Quick note on the quarterbacks i would not want Tannehill over either kyler murray or josh allen I Tannehill's not on this list or he yeah. shouldn't be he shouldn't be is what i'm oh, saying okay i was gonna say he is, yeah so. no i know he is but i'm just saying he shouldn't be on this list either i agree well, and i used to with the players voting that's the problem is there's so many more skill players than there are trench players in the league so it's like who's voting for fletcher cox like you said who's voting for him david bakhtiari is voting for him yeah. who's voting for bakhtiari it's going to be miles garrett's voting for him because these are the guys they go against but like do you think odell beckham jr even knows who bakhtiari is he has no idea that's probably true i honestly didn't think even that um, that's, that's actually that's a hundred percent true uh, getting into 60 through 51, we're almost to the halfway point here. Logan Ryan, Odell Beckham, speaking of the idiot, Kirk Cousins, Devontae Adams, DeForest Buckner, Zach Martin, Stefan Diggs, Marcus Peters, Chris Jones, Todd fucking Gurley. <laughs> I mean, the guy averaged 3.8 yards per carry last year. Todd Gurley is still on a stationary bike outside the Super Bowl, just trying to trying to warm his legs up, uh, but yeah, he doesn't belong on this list, um, and uh, I can't believe he made it. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. That's just laughable. I mean, fuck, the guy doesn't even have a knee. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot wrong with this little bit here, too. Um, Chris Jones at 52. That boy just got paid by the Chiefs. And Kelly, I know you I know you love Chris Jones. This boy is definitely a top three interior defensive lineman. He lives to collapse the pocket, and he's 60? 52. 52, 52 yeah. Which, which makes Fletcher Cox even more criminally underrated to me. Uh, th- you know, I- I'm going to preach this a lot. Uh, Chris Jones, hey, guess who's number three in pressures from the middle? It's Chris Jones. Uh, and we all know number one is Aaron Donald. And that bad man is all the way up. It should be number one, but he's not. And yet number two and number three on the list are at 73 and 52. And, and they're not, granted, they're not – Aaron Donald, bro, these boys are, are a tick less dominant. They're still equally as dominant football players. They're still incredibly, incredibly disruptive football players. And and the fact that they're there just is insane to me. Stefan Diggs ahead of Devontae Adams makes me want to choke out everybody in the NFL. Oh, Ryan Leith must love it, though. Like that, but even Ryan Leaf, who's the biggest, honestly, he's one of the biggest homers I've met. But he's a smart homer, but he's still a homer. Wayne's a retarded homer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he, I think he'd even admit that Stefan. There's no way Devonte Adams is a baller. I mean, a baller, and he should not. That's disrespect to put Stefan Diggs in the same breath as Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is that upper echelon boy. He's a top five, top six, top seven receiver, and to put him with Stefan Diggs. I think is a ooh, god that's laughable, man. Yeah, that's that's one I had an issue with as well. Um, I mean, getting into the the fifty here, this is where we're going to find our boy uh, JJ Watt. So fifty, we've got Darius Leonard, who is just a tackling machine. We'll get into him. Amari Cooper, Zadarius Smith, Tre'Davious White, Dak Prescott, JJ Watt, Mark Ingram, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alvin Kamara, Jadavion Clowney. Hang on a second. I don't like Jimmy G right there. I think, uh, you know, Jimmy G is a guy that we saw go far into the playoffs last year. Some that I don't think belonged um, being that far. Certainly can't complete uh, passes very well. So uh, I looking at the quarterbacks that we've seen and talked about so far that have been on this list, I'd have at least two or three of them ahead of Jimmy G. Yeah, this is, a, this is a good chunk of players, though. It's a good chunk of uh, guys right here. See, I, 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 love, I, think- I really like Darius Leonard. Other than Darius Leonard, I think pretty much – and uh, Amari Cooper is a Darius Smith, Trey Day White. Other than that, I think every one of these guys should be a lot lower, and this is where we should start seeing Fletcher Cox and the offensive lineman, Ryan Ramzik, um, uh David Bakhtiari. I think that's this is when we should start seeing those guys. I don't think like a DeForest Buckner should be in there, things like that. Uh, shit um, – uh, Marlon Humphrey should be in there right here and things like that. I don't, I don't like this list. I'm not going to lie. I don't like Mark Ingram at, at where he is. I don't like Jimmy G where he is. Uh, I don't like Jadeveon Clowney where he is. I don't like Dak Prescott where he is. So I, I think all those guys can essentially be kind of swapped for the other guys we've been talking about, to be honest with you. Who has a worse year in 2020, Jadeveon Clowney or J.J. Watt? Watt. He's going to get hurt again. Hmm. I mean, it depends too where Clowney signs. That's what I mean. At, least I think on a team. at this point, I got to go walk because I, I, I mean, he's on a team. Although it does look like Clowney may be going to your boys, but who knows? Oh, Wayne, I told you weeks ago, baby. And I told I mean, you he wasn't going to sign for $12 million. Yeah. I mean, at this point, but yeah, but now you don't need to sign up for 12. Now you've got even more money off the books and you can actually give him the 17 he wants for a year. Uh, uh, granted, I don't think it's a good idea. It just, 
Not with the amount of players that have opted out for the Patriots. That's what it's. I mean, it's just so many. But now it's like, well, what are you going to do with that money? You might as well try and salvage a season somehow. All right, let's get into this next part of the list here. We've got forty to thirty-one. Danielle Hunter. Danielle. Ter- Danielle. I'm calling him Danielle. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> He'll sack the shit out of you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teron Matthew, Chris Godwin. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Nick Chubb, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joey Bosa, Aaron Jones, another running back who I think is way too high, Shaquille Barrett, and Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley, I think, is the best running back in the NFL. And I know he was hurt last year, but, I mean, you look at when he's healthy, his healthy numbers. I mean, 91 grabs last year as a receiver. And plus, he runs the ball like nobody in the league. So I think he's the best running back in the NFL, and he's not going to be the highest rated uh, on this list. But, yeah, I mean, that whole list, I mean, just looking over it, I mean – Jalen Ramsey certainly got voted up high because of his friends. I mean, I don't think Jalen Ramsey deserved to be this high, not this past year. I like Ramsey. He's a lockdown corner still. I mean, I like him. He's big. He's physical. Uh, I know he runs his mouth, and a lot of people don't like him. Um, but like it, Odell of defensive backs, man. Prove it more often. Shut up. Uh, see, I don't know. I think he's proved it enough at this point. Not enough, but, like, I think he's proved it to the point where he can talk kind of what he wants to talk. And I mean, yeah, I think it's a tad high considering what he did last season. If we're, again, if we're basing it off last season, he doesn't belong right there. Yeah, but at the same time, I think like like talent wise, I mean, if I'm building a team, there's not many corners I'm going to take ahead of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and, uh, so so that's why it's tough to kind of gauge where you should him, especially where you should put him on this list. Now, again, as a Buccaneers fan, and I know you love uh, – is it Godwin? Is it? Chris Godwin. Godwin, okay. I know you love Godwin, but is he better than Devontae Adams? Yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, now, again, that's that's probably just my homerism coming in there. But so I, so I have tiers, which is much easier, I think, to do than who's – because, like, let's say I've got – because right now I have Godwin at six and I have fucking Devontae Adams at seven. So, yo, strikeout beer was good, fam. Um, so it's it's like, you know, like, are you really kind of like, yeah, I think Chris Godwin's better, but like it's by one spot. Like, let's be real. I think they're the same tier of player. I think they're both elite, elite, elite receivers who do kind of the same thing. They both excel at route running and attacking the ball at the high point and the catch and things like that and have incredible hands. Um so uh, my biggest issue with this list was Levante David, but I didn't want to get into it because I sounded like a homer. But you're, you're not going to tell me a guy who grades out at 90 in coverage is not a top 50 player. So, Wayne, how many touchdowns did Aaron Jones have last year? Aaron Jones had 16 touchdowns rushing, and but he only had 1,000 yards rushing. So I think that this is just one of those situations get down to the goal line, let him punch it in, like LeGarrette Blunt having 20 touchdowns in a year. I knew you were going to compare him to LeGarrette Blunt, but it's just not the same. I mean, I mean uh, no, Jones, I, mean, I think he's, he's better than Blunt. scores in one game. Yeah, he's better than Blunt, but he's also just – those touchdowns aren't like a Barry Sanders 16-touchdown season. Yeah, I mean, they're not empty, but he's also never going to be the guy Barry Sanders was. Uh, see, I think Aaron Jones is criminally underrated. I love the guy. I'm a big, big, big Aaron Jones fan. Uh, I think he does kind of like everything well. So, like, he catches the ball really well. He runs the ball really well. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Jones. I'm not going to lie. So the next section, we get another one of uh, Dan's guys here. Mike Evans, Quentin Nelson, Richard Sherman, Jamal yeah. Adams, Von Miller, TJ Watt, Ezekiel Elliott, Cameron Jordan, Tyreek Hill, and Dalvin Cook, who I had a huge problem with being at 21 because I do not think he's the best running back in the NFL. 
or I know he's not the highest on the list, but he to me he's a guy who should be in the sixties or seventies. Every For running me. back should, but Quentin Nelson is the best guard in the NFL. Quentin Nelson's one of the best players in the NFL. Him not being in the top 10, I think, is a joke, too. Just to be clear, PFF has Quentin Nelson rated as their fifth best player. So, what or fourth player? best player. Not best player. <laughs> yeah, best player. Their fourth best player in going into 2020. Quentin Nelson is number four. So, um, and I think we all agree that PFF has a little better analytic department and probably makes a little better decisions than NFL players just picking their own guys. But so I think he's a big whiff. Obviously, the Richard Sherman one is a joke. Um, honestly, I, I mean, I may have Jamal Adams a little higher. And then TJ Watt, I, I don't know how he's not higher. I, I just the, every time I watch him, he's disruptive. He's violent. He's progressively gotten better every year. And for him to just not be in the top 20, I think just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit, but I understand it. I, I really do. But like, he should definitely be ahead of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook shouldn't be on this on in the top 50. So now, the strikeout beer guys here say that Jamal Adams has had some injury issues the last couple of years. And I guess when you're doing the list, I guess you're assuming health, like everybody's going to be 100% healthy, which may account for why JJ Watt was so high. But um. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to laugh like that. Oh, that was funny. Vaughn Miller is a guy on this recent section that caught my eye because um, I'm sure he's still a pretty productive player, but a top 20 NFL player right now. Well, I got to address strikeout beer real quick here, guys. So what year did he have his injury history in? Was it 2017, his rookie year, where he played all 16 games? Was it 2018 where he played all 16 games and made the Pro Bowl? Or was it last year where he played 14 games and was an all-pro player? I can't really figure out where you're saying he misses a lot of games here, guys. I had him for 12 games last year. The PFF has him at 14. Oh, Our uh, pro football reference has him at 14. Hmm. So uh, with seven pass def- deflections. All right. And 13 uh, quarterback hits from the safety position, which is bonkers. I didn't realize that. Holy shit. That's, oh, I also have Tyree Kill at 12 games. Maybe he missed some time, too, for beating up his kid. <laughs> God, you're so savage. <laughs> uh, we got 20 through 11. We got Deshaun Watson, Khalil Mack, Travis Kelsey, Nick Bosa, Aaron Rodgers, Chandler Jones, Tom Brady, Bobby Wagner, Drew Brees, Julio Jones. So now we're getting into like the really big, big name guys here. And I mean, just my first instinct when looking at it is like, okay, Deshaun Watson, 20, all right, I can deal with that. Travis Kelsey at 18, they had 97 grabs for 1,229. He's the best tight end in football. Except I don't understand. They, 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 they have a tight end in the top ten. Yeah, except he's not. That guy, George Kittle, is the best tight end in football. I think bro. Kelsey's better than Kittle. Bro, George, I don't want to have this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Does, uh, so George Kittle is. For one, does everything Travis Kelsey can do as a receiver, and, and he will maul you on the fucking line. Absolutely maul you, bro. And that's where I think he said he's he's Gronk. He's 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 actually baby Gronk, not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's a, a white. He's a, he's a poser. He's Tony Gonzalez, which is fine. I'm okay. He's a he's a monster. He's he's a ton, he's fantastic. But he's not the best tight end in the NFL. Tight end is still an inline position, and and George Kittle dogs dudes in the blocking game. We're going to be a broken record here because we're going to continue to ask, is this projection or is this based on last year? Because right here in this quarterback grouping, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers did not have a better 2019 than Deshaun Watson. No, they didn't. And not only that, but is 
Tom Brady better than Aaron Rodgers? No, no, not even close. What? What, what, what question are you asking? <laughs> Tom Brady. Last year, this coming year, career-wise? This, this coming year, right now, 2020, Tom Brady is not as good as Aaron Rodgers. And, so you got yourself another bet right there because there's no way that Aaron Rodgers puts up more stats or wins Whoa, than Tom Brady. I'm not taking that bet. I picked Aaron Rodgers to be my MVP this year. <laughs> so I'm not taking that bet. Um, no, I, I, so this, this is not, it's, this isn't the Wilt, uh, Bill Russell debate, but I think this is a talent versus kind of greatness debate at this point. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady right now. I, I will, I will give that. I think Tom Brady's a better quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers is more talented. So, I, I mean, I guess we can go there. Brady has the better toys and, and uh, weapons this year as well. Uh, Julio Jones at 11 is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think he should be higher. Um, I, I get it, but I think – I mean, I get why they have him lower, but I think he should be higher. Thank you for the clarification, Strikeout Beer. I, I was actually curious if you were talking about Devontae or Jamal because – Oh, okay. Um, we, we were talking about both <laughs> players there. So, uh, All right. My, my fault then, Strikeout. My fault, guys. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we were just talking about Jamal, so I, that, but that's my apologies. Boys. I almost asked, but you seemed to be ready to just tear into him. So well, because that one didn't make any sense to me. I was like, wait a second. Jamal was Adams hasn't games missed a game. <laughs> yeah, like the guy hasn't missed a game. So. Strikeout's like not that fucking guy. Yeah. All right, let's get to the top 10. Number 10, Derek Henry. Number 9, Stefan Gilmore. Number 8, DeAndre Hopkins. Number 7, George Kittle. Number 6, Christian McCaffrey, which I misspelled. Number 5, Michael Thomas. Number 4, like Patrick Mahomes. Number 3, Aaron Donald. Number 2, Russell Wilson. Number 1, Lamar Jackson, the best player in the NFL. All right, so my biggest issue with this is a guy that you didn't see listed right there, folks, and that is Chandler Jones. How is yeah. that boy not in the top 10? I mean, led the league with forced fumbles, eight forced fumbles last year, had 19 sacks. I mean, this boy's got almost 100 career sacks now. I mean, he's had an amazing stretch with the Cardinals, been consistent every year, been a beast every year. Uh this is one of those guys that I think Belichick wishes he wouldn't have given up on too early. Probably ended up wishing he paid him. But Chandler Jones, to me, belongs in that top 10. Belongs in there above Michael Thomas. Belongs in there above Derrick Henry. I'd have Chandler Jones in my top 10 for sure. I Quick freeze here on Dan. Let's see, he should come back in a second. This happened earlier, too. Hey, there he is. Yeah, just a quick freeze. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I heard everything you said, So, but I agree. I think Chandler Jones is ridiculously underrated. Um, he should definitely, I think, be a top 10 player in this. Um, I, you know, the the biggest laugh is it, if you make a list where Aaron Donald isn't your number one player, it's not a right list where it's, where it's just going on pure talent. It's just not a right list. I, I, I'll never get behind it. Um, also if Patrick Mahomes isn't your number one quarterback, I can't get behind it. So, but I, I think that's where they truly messed up. Uh, I think that's just, I mean, Lamar Jackson is not, he's not the best player in the NFL. He's not. Yeah. They had two chances to get number one right here. And that was with either Aaron Donald or Patrick Mahomes. Give us either the best player on the defensive side of the ball or the most versatile and fun guy on the offensive side of the ball. And you gave us neither. I mean, Lamar Jackson's a fun dude but not the best player in the, all the NFL. I don't care what award you just gave him. No. 
Well, I think, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, maybe he missed out on the fact that then he have like a knee injury. So that sidelined him for like two games. He came out in the first quarter and he had another game he missed. So I think if he plays a full healthy season, he probably throws for 5,000 yards again. So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe guys just looked at the stats. You know, again, these guys who don't know anything like, oh, I guess, you know, whatever. Lamar Jackson, because he played the whole season. We saw him win the MVP. So we're going to vote for him. And by the way, I think Lamar Jackson could be the best player in the NFL in a couple of years. But after one season, I'm kind of, whoa, whoa, you know, pump the brakes with it. I have no problem with the top 10. Mm. Derrick Henry in that top 10 is rough for me. Is he the yeah. best running back? Like, If you were making a list of these players, is he no, the Chris, first running back that ends up there? Or is that going to be Saquon? Or? No, Christian McCaffrey is at six, which I think he should probably be at 10, and then put Chandler Jones at six. And I don't hate the list, honestly. Um, and then I think I like it a little more. Uh, at least for the top 10. But, I, I mean, like a guy like Anthony Harris didn't even make this whole fucking list, bro, and he was an all-pro safety. He didn't even make the top 100. Like, I, I mean, that just I, – I, how does that even happen? He was – PFF's, I think, 25th best player. He didn't even make this list. Like, uh, it just blows my mind. It's 30th best player. doesn't even make the list. Did, was Derwin James on this list? Derwin no. James was not on the list. No, like, how is that po- – like, how is Derwin James not even on this list? Like – Harrison Smith wasn't on this list. Like, like, come on. Like, was Casey Hayward on this list? He was better than he's he's head and shoulders above better than than uh, Logan Ryan. You know, it's just this list is a joke. It is what it is. It's for the fans. It's it's nice to look at, but I think you know, like we've proven and we've shown, if you put a lot of time and you pay attention, this list isn't something to to you know t- write home about. And two guys we mentioned pre-show that we didn't bring up during the show are on the defensive side of the ball. Bud Dupree had 68 oh, tackles, God, 16 right. for a loss, 11 and a half sacks last year, four forced fumbles. How about Marcus Golden of the Giants? 72 tackles, 18 tackles for a loss, 10 sacks, six forced fumbles. I mean, both those guys, not, not even the top 100. Marcus Golden from? Ooh, that one I don't know. Oh, Missouri. Come on, man. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know Michael Stanley from Missouri. He did. They played actually together. Him and Alan Ray. Was Alan Ray the other one? Yeah. Well, Marcus Golden was there too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Pretty good defense then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That was when Missouri was was doing well. All right. So that is the the list. We kind of went over the whole thing. And just in the nick of time too, we got a little bit of some parting shots, I guess, here we can take. Uh, I've said everything I need to say. Uh, I actually monopolized the conversation last video because I cut it off early. So what do you guys have to say to the fans, I guess? Well, I appreciate you guys commenting some more. Uh, I know that we're going to continue to check out you guys' show. Uh, check out ours. As far as our fans that don't have shows, check us out. Check us out. Uh, check out the other shows. Um, we love to do this for you guys. This is our second live performance, and uh, we're really catching our groove. We, I think this uh, moves faster, and we enjoy it more than the whole process of us recording and then Wayne having to sit there for a couple of days and pick it apart. So this has been super fun. I love to see us all and, and catch up a couple times a week, and hopefully we get more and more interaction the more we do this. Yeah, for sure. We really appreciate it, guys. You know, we are very interactive. I'm telling you, like Wayne said, we had a probably a two-hour argument with somebody earlier on just about Wilt Chamberlain. I promise you, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it engaged, guys. We thank you for listening and tuning in. Really, we appreciate it. So thank you very much, guys. The last thing I'll say, I am finalizing our first interview, so I don't want to jinx it right now, but if you guys want to go to the RTF Sports Network and check out the blog section, there's a blog called Into the Shadows. You're going to want to read, read that. And, uh, yeah, we have a really, really, really cool guest uh, in, in a couple of weeks here. I'm very excited about it. 
Yeah, it's uh, super exciting, guys. Wayne did it big right here. I'm excited. I got goosebumps yeah. when he messaged us. Who Me it was. too. I, I'm gonna. I'm telling you right now. I'm studying up hard for this one. That's so. That's really cool. All right. Hey, which one of you guys wants to throw it to Kenny? Kenny, where you at, fam? 